Across Australia, you're listening to Saturday Breakfast with Julie Reynolds on your local station via the Community Radio Network. This week is National Science Week and it's a great chance for us all to do science and to meet scientists. And we're about to meet an extraordinary scientist right now. Associate Professor Sarah Perkins Kirkpatrick is one of Australia's most highly regarded climate scientists and a world-renowned expert on heat waves. With the Northern Hemisphere a hot mess at the moment and parts of the world experiencing some of their hottest temperatures on record, what does that mean for Australia's upcoming summer period? To talk about the science behind those questions, I'm pleased to say that Sarah joins us now. So Sarah, what are some of the things that concern you most about the world's climate patterns at the moment? Yeah, there's a lot going on at the moment. So especially in the Northern Hemisphere, and although they are in their summer at the moment, there is so much extreme heat going on um, from Asia, from America to to Europe. Um, And particularly concerning is all the bushfires that we've also seen after these extreme heat conditions. Like Um, Hawaii, terrible. Absolutely has been. And like, you know, case in point, what's happening in uh, Hawaii at the moment is just completely unprecedented and incredibly concerning at the same time. There's been a lot of discussion around uh, El Nino in the last month. Has El Nino officially been declared yet for Australia? And if so, what does that mean for our upcoming summer and the likelihood of extreme weather conditions? And this is particularly of interest to obviously anyone who's lived on the New South Wales, South Coast and up to Queensland and Victoria. Yeah, so technically speaking, at least in Australia anyway, El Nino hasn't been declared yet. It's still on the watch. Um, and that's because the atmosphere hasn't yet responded to what's going on in the ocean. So the ocean is really hot where we expect it to be during El Nino, but we need the atmosphere to respond also and do its part. It's what we call a coupled phenomenon. So they have to talk and interact with one another. And we haven't seen that sort of coupling progress yet. It is starting to now. Um, looking at, I was looking at the data just the other day. Um, so it's, there's every chance it could still happen. We still have time. But even regardless, even if we don't have an El Nino summer, the Bureau is already um, projecting that it will be a warm and dry spring um, and likely a warm and dry start uh, to summer as well. So El Nino will only enhance those conditions further, which is actually really concerning for, you know, for, for everyone on the, on the east coast of Australia. With El Nino, it's hotter and drier. Um, And Black Summer is very fresh in everyone's memories and we certainly don't want to repeat that again. How accurate are predictions regarding weather? After that, I'll get you to tell us how you actually work it out. When we're we're talking about weather specifically, that's what we're talking about, what will happen over the next five to seven days. And we have come a long way since the the first weather forecast 100, 150 years ago. We can say with very clear accuracy or or almost almost precision accuracy what the temperature will be at any given point during the day uh, for the coming days ahead. When we look talking about seasonal weather and what's what's going to happen for the next few months ahead, that's more general. So we can certainly say things like, yes, it is going to be hotter and drier and we expect this week to maybe be slightly cooler because of the weather patterns that may come through. So that's a little less accurate but it does give us, you know, a very good understanding of what's to come. It just doesn't have the pinpointed days of what, you know, January 1st might be three months ahead. We can do that a week ahead, but certainly not three months ahead. Uh, Weather forecasts are done by running weather models. Uh, So mathematical models run on computers and they're not just there doing their own thing. It's not something that you can run on your home PC either. They run on on massive supercomputers 
and they're feeding the, inf- the information about what's already happening. So we give the observations of the current temperature, uh, the current weather systems we're experiencing, what the rainfall has been like, what's been happening over the last few months. And it uses that information to predict what will happen next. Um, we include things like whether or not we've been in a La Nina, whether or not El Nino may, may happen, what other, what, what's happening, not just on the surface, but what's happening in the vertical column of the atmosphere as well. And it takes all that information and it spits out um, a weather forecast. And we don't just do that once. We do it many, many, many times, even for just the next few days ahead. And that, that then gives us, I guess, um, more accuracy and more um, robust uh, weather forecasts. And I would imagine the supercomputer has made it more accurate because gone are the days where the weather forecast is it's going to be rainy all weekend and it's beautiful sunshine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's look, sometimes that still happens or, you know, we may forecast, I don't know, a minus five degree morning here in Canberra, but it actually gets to minus eight. You know, it's not always spot on, but it's well and truly in a very close ballpark. Have you seen any positive in trends? Yeah, this is a really good question. And I really struggle to to find positives in the trend of how the climate is changing because things are happening really quickly. And especially with what's going on in the Northern Hemisphere, it's just, it's not surprising for someone like me, but it's equally concerning just how fast these extremes are getting more extreme, especially temperature um, and bushfire events. I guess one trend that is positive is how people are responding. You know, 20, 20 years ago, even, even 10 years ago, even before Black Summer, a lot of Australians and a lot of people did still struggle with climate change. They didn't necessarily believe it or they didn't necessarily think humans were the, were the cause of it. And that's changed. Um, I think now something like over 65% of Australians accept humans are, are changing the climate and that we need to do something about it. And that's, yep. that's fantastic. That's, it's really good to have that, finally, that, that trust in the science. So we just all need to do a bit more and that obviously um, is influenced by what's going on politically but at least at least that's a good trend. Can we reverse it? Probably not reverse it completely, at least not without literally sucking carbon out of the atmosphere, which is possible, but we just don't do that to scale. The technology is there, but it's just not implemented yet. But we can certainly limit the amount that we warm by. I do believe that at least currently we've surpassed stabilizing the climate at 1.5 degrees uh, global warming but we still have a lot of room to move to not make it three or four degrees global warming we're currently on track to warm by roughly 2.5 degrees global warming if you consider all the the pledges that um governments made uh, after the paris agreement we obviously have to fulfill those pledges but we can do we can do better we can certainly do better but i i do believe that a lot of the or some at least some of the warming and some of the changes um, that are that are that are going to happen are locked in. It is National Science Week. That is a time to try and get people everywhere more interested and involved in science. How do we get people more involved in science and interested and believe it? This is the whole point of Science Week, right? Is to celebrate science. Um, yeah. And, and and to show that there are there are superstars in STEM fields, science, technology, engineering, and maths who are doing fantastic things. Yeah. You know, from Wi-Fi to refrigeration to petrol cars and electric cars. You need science innovation to make those things happening. And that's what National National Science Week is celebrating. So the week itself runs until uh, the 20th of August. And you can find out what activities are near you at scienceweek.net.au. Beautiful. And uh, it's a great way to get involved and to do find out ways how we can look after our own planet and it not turn out like Mars. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. No one really wants to live on Mars if we can help no. it. 
<laughs> exactly. Thank you so much for your time this morning. The website address again? Uh, scienceweek.net.au. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Sarah. Cool. Thanks, Julie. You're listening to Saturday Breakfast with Julie Reynolds.